Our text this morning comes from the third chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, verses 3 to 9, and I'll read that to you now. Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 to 9. St. Paul says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve the Lord by His Spirit, we boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. When I was in college, I was in a band. Uh, we sounded about one eighteenth as good as your worship team here this morning, but I was really proud of myself that I was in a band. And um, since we were sort of the band in our little Christian group, whenever our Christian group sort of put on an event, uh, we were asked to be the band for that event. And sometimes we would be sort of specifically targeting non-Christians, right? We call them seeker events because heaven forbid Christians be seeking something, right? These were seeker events, and so we would play non-Christian songs in an effort to sort of trick people to come listen to us, and then we would proclaim the gospel to them. Always a good strategy, by the way, trickery. And this one time, we decided that we wanted to play a song that included a trumpet part. And I, when I was a younger man, fifth and sixth grade, played the trumpet, and so I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to go with no one's knowledge, not even anyone in the band, and rent a trumpet, learn the trumpet part in secret, and then break it out to the band just before the show, but as a surprise to everyone else at this secret event. And so I did, practiced up. For those of you who have never played a brass instrument, sort of the key is this, the foundation of air that you have in your chest to produce the sound through the instrument, and when, when you're nervous at all, that foundation of air is the first thing to go. And so when I broke out the trumpet at the concert, let's just say I didn't play the part as well as anyone would have hoped. And so it sort of didn't go great, and I was sort of dejected. But after the concert, our, um, uh, the university staff worker, came running up to me and in sort of wonderful Christian charity said to me, it's so great that you tried to play the trumpet. <laughs> and that's what I want to talk about this morning. <laughs> Moving from trying to play the trumpet to actually playing 
the trumpet. So much of our lives involves this difference between who we actually are and who we wish to be, who we're striving to be, who we desperately want to be, who we would give anything to be. We come here this morning, all of us, with this gap in our lives between the us that we are and the us that we want to be. That's why we're here. I was thinking, since I'm new to South Florida, how, how um, prevalent must this be to our own LeBron James, right? No one has ever come into closer contact with the difference between the man he is and the man he ought to be, especially when he was losing, right? Can you imagine if they'd lost last week? Like, oh, LeBron James, such a failure, so much potential. He could have been so great, but look at the terrible three-time finalist he is now. Can you imagine what would have happened if he lost? But think about what happened when he won. He's now two-time champion, four-time MVP, two-time finals MVP, and all anyone can say is, well, he's not Michael Jordan. And he's not. Michael Jordan is the ultimate you you wanna be. He's this mythic character now. Think about Michael Jordan's sons. He has two sons living in this burdensome shadow of their father. Both of them played sports and played them very well, but not nearly as well as their father. And recently, they actually founded a website, the two of them, called airjordan.com. That's H-E-I-R, jordan.com. You can't go to that site now because it, it is defunct because they are trying to strive to cross this gap, this chasm between just being Jeffrey Jordan and being the son of Michael Jordan. This gap is so prevalent to us. We are Michael Jordan's sons, living under this pressure of life, this pressure to be something more, to be something greater, to be something better. This is just as obvious in your regular life. I want to be making that much, but I'm only making this much. I want to be that kind of father, but I'm only this kind of father. I want to have friends who like me as much as I like them, but instead I live in this constant fear that all my friends are getting together right now without me. I want to be able to play trumpet, but I can only try to play trumpet. I want to be a faithful Christian, but instead, I'm only me. Maybe some of you are aware of this website called Pinterest. Some of you are. There is another website called Pinterest Fails, which is much more interesting to me than the actual Pinterest. It's sort of people who try to make these wonderful craft projects that exist on Pinterest and come up a little bit short. Cupcakes that are supposed to look like the frog from The Princess and the Frog, but instead come out looking like nuclear waste. Homemade chore charts. Homemade chore charts, I'm lucky if I can get my kid to go 15 minutes without soiling his underpants. Right? This is the pressure of life. This is all 
what we call the law, right? You're supposed to be a faithful Christian having a three-hour quiet time every morning, a loving father who spends quality time with his kids and brings home a decent salary, a faithful wife who keeps the house perfectly clean, and on and on and on. This is the you that you ought to be. By the way, my three-hour quiet time this morning was awesome. Now, some of these laws are from God, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Always love your enemies. Turn the other cheek every time. Honor your father and mother perfectly. Some of these laws are just from the world or even from us. Go to all your kids' soccer games. Be well-muscled and slender. Definitely do not have one of these. All these laws end up doing the same things in our lives. They put pressure on us. They are weights showing us just how far we are from the us that we ought to be and constantly reminding us of the us that we are. The law shows you the there and reminds you that you're still here. So the question of life becomes, how do we get from here to there? We'll do anything to get there. We'll give anything, we'll pay anything, we'll go anywhere. I just wanna get from here to there. From the me that I am to the me that I want to be. How do you get from here to there? That's the question that consumes our lives. And one thing is abundantly clear, I think we would all agree, that we need help to get there. The thing that we don't agree on is where that help comes from. The psalmist in Psalm 121 asks this question explicitly. He says, I lift my eyes up, where does my help come from? Where can I get the help that I need to get me from here to there? Where can I get the help that I need to become the me I want to be and get away from the embarrassing me that I am? And it seems to me that we have two options in life. We can locate the source of our help within us, or we can locate the source of our help outside us. And our default position, our human norm, is to look for our help within. I know that you guys are all um, South Floridians, but I know that there's some awareness among you of Alex Rodriguez, the incredibly put-upon third baseman for the New York Yankees. And several playoffs ago, I think this is two years ago now, he was in one of his annual enormous hitting slumps, which he always goes through in the playoffs although now he seems to be in one permanently, but it used to be just the playoffs. He'd hit great during the regular season and then never be able to get a hit in the playoffs. And there's this great photograph that I saw of Alex Rodriguez at the plate, assuming the, presumably about to strike out, and behind him in the crowd is somebody holding up a sign. And the sign says, it says, slugger, redeem thyself. Now, obviously, this is a funny quote, actually, from the Bible. <laughs> you know, heal thyself, right? But, but A-Rod, redeem thyself. Do, find something within 
to get over this hump that you can't get over. Be better, be a better you and find the, the engine for that becoming a better you inside. I was thinking of another story recently about this sort of effort to find the juice within. Um, there was a football player, this is years ago now, sort of before the NFL was hugely famous, a football player named Marv Marinovich. Very cool name, Marv Marinovich. And he was sort of an average player. And he thought towards the end of his career, how good could I have been if I'd started earlier? Anybody who's ever played any sport has thought that. How good could I have been if I had started playing the sport earlier? And so when Marv had a son, he decided to find out. Marv's son was named Todd, and during Todd's first month of life, Marv instituted a stretching regimen for him, flexing his infant son's hamstrings and quadriceps. First month of life. From the time Todd could hold things at all, he was holding a football. From the time he could stand, he was standing in cleats. Everything from his diet, which was no sugar or processed foods at all, ever, to his time, no vacations or after-school outings with friends ever. His mom actually had to, at one point, kidnap him from his father to give him a week off, just a vacation. All of this was strictly regimented to give Todd the greatest opportunity to be a good football player that anyone has ever had. And it worked. Todd Marinovich is probably the greatest high school football player in the history of the world. That story reminds me of what St. Paul says about himself in Philippians 3. He says, if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Faultless. He is so prepared to face the pressures of life. Todd Marinovich was so prepared to be a great football player. And he was, until he wasn't. Because Todd Marinovich crashed and burned spectacularly. He was smoking marijuana before he was through with high school and uh, humorously said later that that was the only time he felt that the pressure was off, right? Who knew, right? Smoke a little marijuana, feel great about yourself. Started to do harder drugs in college at USC and clashed with his coaches. He was arrested for these harder drugs before the NFL draft, but still was drafted by the Oakland Raiders, the same team for which his father played. Continued to do drugs and clash with his coaches and was out of football and in prison within two years of being drafted. Two years. If anyone could have had confidence in the flesh. It was him. 
If anyone could have said, I am prepared to succeed in the face of the pressures of life, it was him. And he crashed and burned spectacularly. There is a pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, another cool name, those are all cool names this morning, Marv and Todd Marinovich and Barry Zito. I'm gonna name my next son something with a Z. I just think it's sort of really cool. Barry Zito in uh, 2007 signed the largest free agent contract in the history of Major League Baseball, $126 million. And then he couldn't pitch anymore. He was great until he signed this big, giant contract, and the pressure came, and he couldn't pitch. He was so bad, in fact, that three years later, when the Giants made the playoffs, Barry Zito, their highest-paid player, was left off the roster completely. They said, we'll pay you, but don't come here. We would prefer you to stay away from us as we attempt to win the World Series than for you to come and even sit on the bench. Just go away. Now, Barry Zito, his childhood is very interesting, actually. His mother was a minister in a church that she started called Teachings of the Inner Christ. Teachings of the Inner Christ. Finding the source of your salvation within. Finding the juice to overcome within trying to get from here to there with a power found within. The inner Christ, looking for salvation inside you, leads to crashing and burning every time. These two athletes are just like us, but both Todd Marinovich and Barry Zito found that a help from within was actually no help at all. So we, we want so desperately to help ourselves. There's a whole section in the bookstore devoted to it, and it's the biggest section now. I remember when the self-help section was sort of like off in the corner, and there was sort of a little corner of books. Now, the bookstore is basically the self-help section, and there's like a corner of other stuff. Self-help is the bookstore. Have you noticed we have, we've had books like this, Time Immemorial, The Power of Positive Thinking, Your Best Life Now. There's even a Christian one by Charles Swindle. I actually called this, I'm not making this up. So you want to be like Christ? Eight essentials to get you there, just eight. The self-help section is the bookstore because we are desperate to find the juice for our salvation within. We would do anything at the end of the day to see, to, to say, I got from there to here and I did it myself. But we who have lived life, who are here this morning, we know the truth that self-help is no help at all. We always crash and burn. St. Paul continues in Philippians 3, he says, but, it's a big but, right? He says, remember, if anyone had any cause to brag about their 
goodness, to brag about their abilities, to brag about how prepared they were to take on stress. I had more, but, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, garbage, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, not having a righteousness that I found within me that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, a righteousness, he says, that comes from God, from outside of me, on the basis of faith. Remember Barry Zito. In 2011, this is one year after he was left off the Giants' playoff roster completely, he says, in 2011, this is a quote, I got broken down physically as well as mentally. In August of that year, he says, I committed my life to God. I realized I'd been relying on my own strength for so long, and man, I'd been wearing it. So this was about finding a strength outside of myself. The way I was raised, that's a concept I never would have given any credence to. How familiar does that sound to you? I realized I'd been relying on my own strength for so long, and man, I'd been wearing it. Don't you feel like you're wearing your life like a backpack full of bricks? Man, we are wearing it. He says, this was about finding a strength outside of myself. Remember, he'd grown up in the teachings of the inner Christ. What he realized after getting broken down was that he needed an outer Christ. He needed salvation from without. Same happens to Todd Marinovich. When he comes out of prison, clean and sober, where does he go? He goes home to his father, who is able to welcome him and love him and embrace him. The same father who many might say was the cause of his downfall is the one who is able to welcome him home, to love him, to care for him. In Zito's interview, he continues, he said, I had this very odd injury in April of 2011. This is just after being left off that World Series roster. He says, I have a very weird injury, a Lisfranc ligament tear. Maybe some of you know what that is, a Lisfranc ligament tear. I came off the field after never being hurt in 11 years and said, all right, something bigger is going on here. A message is being sent, so I've got to listen. 